All right. Welcome to the Highlander Rewatch Podcast, the podcast where each and every week we talk about another facet of the Highlander universe. I'm one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This, this is, is Amy. Kyle. Oh, I, I mixed up the the order. What's that? I mixed up the order. I just went wow. for it. Was it you or was it just me asleep at the wheel? I don't know. <laughs> it was you asleep at the wheel. You stared ahead so <laughs> blankly. I was like, I think Kyle's computer froze. No. I was reading an email. Oh. <laughs> relating to this very episode. That's right. It's a spoiler. reader mail episode. That's right. And yeah. our first spoiler of the day. This is a reader mail episode. Uh, great. <laughs> so this this is probably going to be our last uh Endgame email. Email e- endgame I'm episode. Kill myself. So <laughs> this is our last endgame email. Yep, this is it. <laughs> what a journey sure, it's been. I'm sure everybody's very sad that we won't be talking about endgame anymore. Sure. I mean, taking two entire months to talk about a single movie is yep. a bit much. Yes, this is a little self-indulgent and yeah. a little excessive. Mm-hmm. And many of you have informed us of this fact. I know, mm-hmm. right? But many have also agreed with us. That is true. There are two I, sides to this yeah, coin. An end game, if you will. Oh. The Duncan side and the Adrian side. Adrian? The <laughs> I just said the Duncan side and the Adrian side. Sure. Yes. The two sides of every coin. The Duncan side <laughs> yeah. This yep. is the upside and the downside of each Schwartz. Yeah, yeah there was no there was no uh, end game commemorative coin, was there? That's a bummer. <laughs> That would have been awesome. You flip it and there's Adrian on one side and Duncan on the other. <laughs> sure, right. <laughs> the, I would have loved that it. That is a two for, for as a two-faced coin. Yeah. Uh, Two-face. We do we got a lot to get through. We don't have time to muck about talking about Two-Face. Nope, but we do have a product to talk about. Uh, so we're going to play a very quick uh, catalog game, although this isn't really a catalog item, but it's uh, newly appeared. Uh, so <laughs> here you guys go. I'm going to show you this uh, this item, uh, and we're going to play it just like normal. You have to guess the, uh, the actual price that this uh, item is being offered to. Uh, this is for sale on Amazon right now. Okay. Uh, and if you get within 20%, you get to read the first reader mail? I don't know. That, that'll be the prize this week. So uh, here we go. This is the item we're going to be talking about today. The Corda Decapitated Kyle's face. Deco- Corda Decapitated Head Prop from Highlander 2 The Quickening. What do you guys think of that? The fuck? This is a horror show. <laughs> I love don't... this. I want this. Uh-huh. And if you don't remember when this was in the movie, uh, you know, whoops, I can't click. There it is on the ground, Ooh, right? Nice. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Is this the first one he kills, like kind of by accident? Yes, I think so. Because the other one is, oh, is this on the train tracks? It's the second one. I don't remember now. Here's a side view with his little porcupine head. Wow. <laughs> right. Good God, this is nuts. This uh, is pretty bananas. And there's no real like description for this item other than like it's a prop from the movie. Uh, but as you can see, there is one review, which is perhaps the five stars. Five stars, which is the best part of this listing. Uh, so this is this is listed by some sort of prop warehouse, like some collectibles place in LA or something like that. Uh, I guess acquired this and is trying to sell it. So, uh, <laughs> yikes! This is like this is this is like Highlander meets like jacob marley like this is like (laughs) this this image would like haunt you at night and tell you about like your past deeds it's horrifying um this image is haunting me right now (laughs) yeah yeah say i'm presently haunted okay but here is the uh the review it reads i played this part and i am not compensated for this item (laughs) 
This is the wow. first time I've seen this since 1991. Not very flattering model. However, a brilliant facial reconstructive job by Clive Barker's makeup effects team. And that was posted by the person that played Cordo. That's pretty awesome. Isn't Why that does crazy? it say Pete Antico at the bottom? I believe that's the person's name, Eamon. Oh, but who's Steven Cantanasta? Oh, shit. Uh, I... You know, I don't know. I, I'm lost. <laughs> I'm lost again. I, I don't know. Weird. That's a great question. Yeah, but this product has been on Amazon, it would appear, since 19 or 2019. Oh, so... is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, you know, get on that uh, if you want to buy it. And I guess now you'll find out how much it costs. So, Eamon, how much do you think this item costs? $500. 500 all right kyle how much would you pay for the corda decapitated head <laughs> how much would prop? you pay for it 100 dollars, and i will point out why is, and pete antico is indeed uh the uh, the, the actor who played corda but why but did he give it five stars if he's complaining about being not compensated that's like that's the theme man this is like last week's episode where we were reading people that were like five stars highlander endgame this movie has is poorly acted shoddy directing like it's like what like five stars that's this too it's just because his name's on it don't get it don't get it don't get it i don't don't understand (laughs) okay so amon guessed 500 kyle you guessed 100 dollars. yeah all right uh the actual retail price of this gem is seven hundred dollars. Wow! Yeah, but, I assume this would be a bargain basement kind of thing, but no, no, 700 no. Seven hundred bucks, baby. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a rent payment. What would you if you bought something like this? Uh, what would you do do with it? <laughs> um, like, what how would, would you, I do? <laughs> yeah, that's right. People on Halloween. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like where? How would you display something? like this that is both I'd, like hollywood memorabilia and also like crazy and scary and disturbing i would like put it in a closet and then direct <laughs> direct people to the closet okay oh, could you could you hang up your coat in the closet there sure and then there's a, a corda corda head from mm-hmm. High, and then they'll be like wow corda's head from highlander 2 that's right cool yeah right Wow, there we go. What a find. That's yeah. crazy. Isn't that crazy? Someone on Twitter sent that to us. So thank you very much to Eric H on Twitter. I love it. Yep. Oh, and who, who's with you right now? Eamon, there's a guest on the pod. It's Tina. Hey, Tina. Tina Tina's looks sleepy. Falling asleep listening to us talk about. <laughs> oh, really? Highlander. It's very boring. Like the rest <laughs> of our fans. Yeah. Uh, okay. Tina. So uh, what we're going to do today is we have received a you know, a whole mailbags full of emails, right? It's a ton. Uh, So we got to go through them. Uh, So we're going to do our best to like speed through them. Uh, You know, we might even set a timer at one point and just start like plowing through because we wanted, we do want to get to everybody uh, that wrote in. And of course, if we don't read your email on the show, uh, thank you very much for writing in. Uh, We do read all of them uh, and we really appreciate it. Uh, So even if we don't get back to you either by typing, typing, whatever I'm doing here. Uh, or reading it on the show. We do appreciate it. So, yes, sir. Kyle, do you want to kick us off with the the first one? With the first one? Sure. And we, oh, by the way, you both lost the game. Uh, (laughs) I should have mentioned that. Yeah. So we are going to aggressively edit these down because we got a lot of what I would describe as novellas from people. (laughs) 
So like shop gonna, girl. Yeah, I'm gonna like, do my best to hit. We're all gonna try to do our best to hit some highlights out of a bunch of these and move on because yep. I can't imagine you want this to go six hours, which it will. Yep. Uh, so this is, first one is from Anthony E with the subject, "What the fuck is this movie?" <laughs> uh, anyway. He has a lot of thoughts about the continuity and all these things. And he starts off by going woof, woof, and woof. <laughs> In any case. Speak of Tina's language, right? Uh, yeah, woof, woof. <laughs> this notes, this is 10 years before present day, which as you know, it would make it 1990. In 1990, it would have been four years since Connor won the prize. So are you telling me that in four years he has gone from the Connor we saw in the first film to this totally despondent pile of old man that we see in <laughs> Duncan? And when the hell was the third one set? Surprise, it's 1994. So you took a, a break from the sanctuary to go to Marrakech, adopt the boy, and then <laughs> over? Seriously, how is it that no one who makes these films has ever seen another piece of Highland? <laughs> anyway, he goes on to, uh, to note that Slan Quince died in 1992, so two years from the point of the hot dog. So at this point, in when the, this film opens, he should theoretically have, like, the hair weave and be with Tessa. Another no. worthwhile continuity point. Uh, I like uh, I like that in Highlander, like there's a nexus that exists and it's like perhaps the Duncan hot dog. Like that exists yeah. at the center of a graph that's like all like all the crazy Highlander histories are all like, where's it relate to the hot dog? Yeah. The hot dog is the fucking linchpin. That's right. But I, I did want to read part of Anthony's standoff here. He's like, so to wrap it up, in the first five fucking minutes of the movie, <laughs> we have a massive continuity issue and they fridge the first woman we see on the screen. Brilliant. <laughs> Good job, Weinstein. Good job. Uh, I was going to rewatch that film, but there are too many other things that make me really angry. I know I'm working on assertiveness and anger management right now. I'll leave it in your hands to continue giving this film a review it reserved 20 years ago and never got. Anthony E. Thank you, Anthony. Great. I like, I this, I like this continuity bit um, because, yeah, this film is a mess. <laughs> sure. Like, I, I think the only way it makes sense is that it needs to be set in the distant future and then 10 years ago is like the year 2000. Right. right. And, mm -hmm. Kyle, and Kyle, you've mentioned many times that this is not a sequel. Like this is a sequel to the TV show. Yes. Connor McCloud's first appearance in this universe, this, this Highlander Endgame's universe is episode one, The Gathering. I think so. And then, and then it's fine. I agree. Everyone, every single one of these movies is like a reboot. It's crazy. Okay. It's nuts. Again, you don't know how to orient yourself. Like as a fan, it's like, which, like, they don't even tell me that as the fan, which like timeline to pay attention to. Right. Right. The multiverse. Right. All right. Eamon, do you want to read email four? I do. He does. All right. All right. But we, uh, I think we read email four. Oh, we read email four. I'm sorry. I didn't have that on my list as uh, crossed off. Do you want to go to email five then? Yes, sir. Yes. Five. All right, I'm sending a timer. Boom, go. I'm going to tell you when you got like 30 seconds to wrap up the email. Yes, and this is another one from Anthony E, who's sending another email, <laughs> but he just finished listening to the third episode. Remember the episode where we saw Teenage Mac back when he met Cassandra for the first time? Anyway, I remember in that episode, she said something to Duncan about Connor. Duncan didn't respond with what? You mean that hell spawn bastard that destroyed the village 60 years ago? You'd think that Connor's name would have been absolute mud in the village after that little incident. 
And you'd also think that Connor would have been so thoroughly done with the clan that he wouldn't have kept the name after that, but whatever. The bottom <laughs> line is that whoever wrote this did not take into consideration that Connor was the legend in the clan and it wasn't because he went back and burned it all down and killed all their holy men. Seriously, I get that Gillian is a friend of the pot and all, but she's got some splaining to do about that shit show that is the continuity of this movie. And that's just the first 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, uh, I really... That's an interesting point. That... I, I, and to defend Gillian, that she like came up with the story, I believe, not like the script. So like I don't want right. to you know uh give her any flack for stuff and who knows what was used and what was not used and like this is certainly cobbled together for sure yes sorry go on kyle oh i was just gonna say that is a great point that duncan or that connor's legend would have embraced him burning down the village like this should have been part of the story absolutely like why would you tell the story about the immortal the immortal man and leave out the rampage of burning down the village. That makes no sense. Right. And hell, that that version of the story seems to make more sense that the village would tell it. I mean, they cast Connor out as a demon, and then he comes back and does a horrible thing. Like, oh, yeah, that demon that has haunted our, you know, like, that's the legend they would tell. Also, uh, one of those reviews we read in last week's episode mentioned something about like, oh, the seeds of legend, right? And that's, I guess, in the opening dialogue, right? That's a weird line, too. Like, what legends, right? Were the seeds of legends. Like that might be interesting if they were like, oh, you know, King Arthur was actually, a, like all these historical figures, like, or what you think you know about vampires. Turns out they're they're actually immortals, right? Like why even have that line? The seeds of legend, Le- what legend? What are you talking about? Yeah. Like what the, point. and same thing. And even like with Connor's legacy, like is that part of this movie? No, 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 no. All right, great nope. email. I love it. Great email, Anthony E. <laughs> Bring in the bring in the gusto. That's right. All right. <laughs> Email number six. I'm gonna set my my timer here. All right. Boop. Here we go. Uh, hi guys. I for one am loving the endgame coverage so far. I rewatched the movie for the first time since 2000 this week, which was certainly an experience. But I do have a fond memories of being excited for this movie. I saw it in the theater with my mom and grandma, who are not really happy <laughs> with me making them go. Uh, to this day, when I go to the theater uh, at the Northgate Mall, I think of Highlander and it makes me smile. That's a cool memory, right? Um, let's see. This person yeah. goes on uh, to wonder. Um, I thought about Connor's mom storyline. I was wondering maybe if they somehow confused Duncan and Connor's moms. Mary uh, refused to tell Cantos. I ref- uh, yeah, Mary refused to tell Cantos about Duncan. Uh, was vehement that it didn't matter who bore him and doesn't believe he's evil, even though he was cast out. I mean, no one is going to be okay with their mother being killed, but it makes more sense to bring a character we've seen for a big moment like this uh, than just throw Connor's mom at us randomly. If you pretend that all of these scenes with Mary McLeod happened instead with Connor's mom, uh, that makes the setup make more sense too. Her demon son had been uh, seen in the village somewhat recently. Uh, and yeah, so we had actually just kind of talked about that. Uh, I'm sorry to preempt your email, Amber. Uh regarding like, you know, that uh, Connor would be a demon in the village, uh, which is crazy. Right. Uh, and I like that notion that they like switching Connor and Duncan's mom, that seems interesting. Uh, and we even talked about that it would seem like Connor and Duncan should be switched in this movie to some degree, like- To some degree. I don't know, I don't know. Thank you, Amber R. Uh, Amber yeah. Oh, and she, she also says, after listening to your first episode, I really wanted a hot dog. Uh, so I had one with ketchup in honor of AP. That's awesome delicious that's right 
watch. All man. right. All right, Kyle's uh, got the next one. This is uh we got some advice here. We got <laughs> some take... <laughs> oh, I was skipping ahead to nine. Oh, you weren't gonna read seven? All right. Oh, number seven. Hello there. Have a nice day. Do you need a good website? <laughs> Email us. Yep. Yeah, no, we get, we get a lot of this. Okay, good. Um uh, jumping ahead to nine. Also, I want to welcome uh Andrew P as a new Patreon supporter. We yeah. love you. Andrew, thank you, sir. All the Patreon folks, it's been very helpful. Roop, roop. Uh, anyway, this one's from Anthony C. Uh, and it's a bunch of scattered thoughts on what he describes as a children's doodle of the film. Uh, <laughs> first, he notes this confusion that we've had uh, several times about whether the, the term endgame is supposed to connote that the game is actually ending in mm -hmm. the final fight. But I think we've talked about that. Um, separately, do we feel like any of the rules of the game matter in this movie? At various points, Kel openly says he doesn't care about the rules, defies the single combat rule, doesn't murder a bunch of mortals on her, does or doesn't murder a bunch of immortals on holy ground, depending on the cut you watch. And, uh, but then so much is made of the need for Connor and Duncan to face Kel in the end. Well, I understand the thematic weight of this moment. Why couldn't they just two on one of this? Since they have no reason to think the rules matter whatsoever uh, <laughs> then uh the 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 next question that's posed to us though that we should maybe talk about a little is sure. do we think that some of the earlier versions of this script would have been a better movie um yes. <laughs> thoughts yes i think so absolutely yeah. good talk uh no i mean it's just like yeah yeah we've, we've said it all uh but it's it's incoherent so there we go well like the earlier versions of the script had more thematic weight to them that, right that maybe makes this land lastly i get chewed out again for never forget that, that james remar played raiden in mortal kombat 2 yep so mia culpa you mia culpa Right, I will Greg. say I will say this. Uh, James Remar does a lot more work as Raiden in Mortal Kombat Annihilation than Lambert does in the first. We actually, actually fight, right? Yeah, he actually fights. <laughs> I think that's funny. It is funny because Lambert kind of just stands around and and turns into Need money. Yeah. All right, Amen. So you're I'm, up next. Am I next? Cool. Am I doing email number ten from? You're Dan doing email a? number ten. Ooh, he has a few <laughs> thoughts. Uh oh. Really admit to being pretty forgiving to Highlander discrepancies in general. I don't use quite the critical eye that you have been. During the flashback scene in New York with Connor and Duncan, he got the impression that Connor called him to say goodbye as he was already planning on going to the sanctuary. He simply mm. lost the nerve to say what was on his mind and disappeared without saying anything. That's a good point. I sure. kind of like that. Yeah, I think we might have hinted that that could be a, a thing, but that's a good that's a good reading of that scene where he kind of just, you know, got cold feet. And so just bounces, speak. right? And bounces, baby. When Mythos mentioned that he knew Connor just because Connor knew him, that doesn't mean that he knew he was Mythos, just like Lord Byron knew him as Doc, not as the oldest immortal. I think it was a bit of oh. trivia. Yeah. Not certain if it's official canon that Mythos founded the sanctuary. Interesting, in order to keep the game from ending, so Connor could have known as Mythos as the founder of his relief and escape. Mm. Looking forward to the next twelve episodes to properly cover this movie. 
<laughs> You're pretty, pretty close. Interesting. Very good. Well, I, I, like I like the idea that Mythos might know about this because he helped found it. Um, mm -hmm. That's kind of clever, but... Not in the movie. It, but, you know, that would have mean he meant he had an association with the Watchers dating back before Duncan was born. Sure. So, and I don't know that we can support that, but it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I cool. like that theory. Theory. That's right. All right. Next email is from Brian's Brian S. Brian. Uh, and its subject is Endgame Wrestling. Uh, he says, I remember being excited upon uh, hearing the movie with both Highlanders. Even uh, the trailer was promising up to a point. Then I saw Adrian Paul and Christopher Lambert show up on the WWF Raw to promote the movie with Ed the Edge's involvement. Uh, that's when I got that sinking feeling. The trailer, <laughs> the trailer was set up, uh, set up the vibe of the Matrix and Mortal Combat with clips showing a kind of magic scenes that did not play out in the actual movie. Also, I specifically remember AP being a guest on Keenan Ivory Wayne's late night talk show, where AP presented uh, Keenan with a replica of Duncan's sword with a detachable dagger built into the hilt uh, that Duncan uh, was to use in the movie. Uh, sorry if I'm rambling, nice. blah, blah, blah. Uh, there we go. Uh, here's to you three. Never lose your edge. Awesome. Uh, wow. Yeah, how about that? That's, That's amazing. Cool. And the detachable That's dagger. I've seen some, like, photos online of, like, the scabbard that has, like, a dagger, like, a very thin blade in, like, the uh, in the side of it. Uh, but weird that it's not in the movie, right? What's that about? It is. I don't know. It's just a special gift for the Wayans. Thin blade. Thin Haters. blade. All right. Isn't that the Pacino movie? <laughs> yeah. Thin blade. Thin blade. Uh, am I back up to the plate here with number yes. uh, with lucky number thirteen? That's right. Lucky number. Seven. Oh, before we move on to that, people want to know where Eamon get you can get your shirts. Yes. Or where Eamon gets his shirts? Your shirts are a hit, apparently. Oh, my shirts. Uh, shit. Let me look at that. <laughs> Let me. Well, while you figure that out, what? I'll this email. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right. This is this is from our buddy Jim. Jim. Uh, so we made a, a a reference to there maybe being a confederate flag in the silver room <laughs> what we can't remember which one of us said it or why we said it we did a little look and haven't been able to find it we have not rechecked the theatrical release yet but uh i don't know did we just make this up are mm. we just trolling you it's hard to say i'm pretty <laughs> sure i said that and I don't know if I meant it was in this movie or it was just in the silver room in another movie. Huh. I'll, I'll have to do some digging, but I'll, I'll update it. Even explain yourself at some point, not right at now. At some point. At some uh, point. Um, if you just go to T Public and look up Bird Star shirts, you'll find my shirts. All right. Bird Star shirts on T Public, so, everybody. Thank you. Grab a shirt. Yes. Support. Grab a shirt. Amen. Yeah. You love to see it. Um, or do they just want to know where I get the t-shirts I wear in general? Nope. I'm going to train. I'm going to, I do. Where do you get that? Plug. So plug time. Know, they, they want to know where they can get the aim and goods. Um, goods. Yeah. I just go to like the gap or baby gap. Yeah. The baby, baby gap. It's um, a bunch of baby t-shirts together. Yeah. Jim makes a number of points. One thing he mentions is that he interpreted Duncan's return to the loft as being more of like a visit to your friend's grave as opposed to a an actual investigation. Which sure. Is, I, I, I like that. Interesting. Yeah. That makes um, sense, right? That is good. I like mm -hmm. that. Uh, he then just has a discussion of some of the weapons and says, I don't mind the variety of weapons used by the immortals, but I was bothered by their outfits. I can't imagine that a crew going anywhere 
uh, in those clothes and not garnering a lot of attention. I don't care how avant-garde Kate's designs are. Those stupid looking outrageous outfits models wear on the runway stay on the runway. No <laughs> sane person wears them in real life. Uh, there was a real movie in Endgame trying to get out. My biggest problem was that it looked so dull in terms of color. It also looked grainy. Say what you will about Highlander 1, but Russell Mulcahy made the colors pop and the movies look great. Endgame just looks dull and dingy. Uh, couldn't agree more on Highlander 1 popping, baby. Uh, yeah. I also agree that Jin K, who I thought Duncan recognized by name only, talking about honor, didn't fly. Maybe he was seduced into a cult by Kel, but that's... <laughs> That's head cannon. We don't know why a great fighter centuries older than Kel fell under his spell. It seems like they left some backstory unsaid, and that hurts this movie. Keep up Kel's the good spell. work, Jim. Kel's I agree spell, right? that we, we justified his presence here because, as he notes, it really doesn't make sense. Yeah, it does not. I mean, that line he says, honor is in the man. It's like, I think it, one of the, the reviews we read last week mentioned that. And it was like, what does that mean? Like, why are they talking about that? Is someone being dishonorable? Like, it, it's it's really strange. Doesn't nice. make sense. Eamon, you're up to the plate, baby. Brian. All right, setting the timer. Boom. We're moving now, boys. I just <laughs> wanted to chime in on a couple of things. The Italian Sword Academy was cool. It reminded me of the lesson taught by Nakano. You've already lost. It was a nice callback. Nakano definitely manipulated Connor's mind when he was training in the cave. Another point is the Silver Room ambush. Who brings a bat to a sword fight? The fight is very cool, thanks to Adrian's energy. The scene where Duncan runs and jumps off the wall would have been a thousand times better if Duncan had taken a head. Donnie Yen and Duncan's fight should have been saved for the for later, giving Jin K a reason to fight Kel and lose instead of him losing to ooh, see the deleted scene. Oh. I've said it before, but I do believe uh Kate designed Keen's orange suit in Forgive Us Our Trespasses. <laughs> That's orange good. Is the new black. I like that. Forget all the unanswered questions so far. The big question is, why were the Watchers carrying a circular saw to cut rebar? <laughs> Excelsior, my friends. Amazing. Yeah, why do they have that tool? That is very specific. To, uh, is that how they chop people's heads off? <laughs> Maybe, you never oh, know. Oh, boy, that's yeah. that's that's messy. That yeah. is very messy. That's yeah. Texas Chainsaw shit except with a circular salt texas chainsaw quickening that's the name yeah. of that movie right and the comparison to nakano is interesting except the only difference is like nakano really had like magic powers and like yeah, he, he was, like actually yeah. made him see things where yeah. this manipulation of the mind thing is kind of just in like name only like you know money attack me right like that doesn't become the way like Duncan beats Kel in the end. Like he doesn't. Fact, he defeats that move. The move that's supposed to manipulate <laughs> right. his mind, Kel defeats easily with a, with a, a dagger. dagger. Surely a no one has dagger. ever had a dagger before. Right. No. I, nobody, you're up. nobody has ever had a dagger in films before. Anyway. No. We're yeah. crushing it, by the way, guys. We're hitting these these times on these on the the counter here. I won't reveal how much time we're giving to each uh, email, but it's uh, that's that's how the sausage gets made, guys. Hey, let's do it. All right, next one. Here we go. Bloop. All right, this is uh, oops, I just uh, okay. This is from Eric uh, M H. 
and the subject is New York filming locations. Uh, hey, fellas, loving the Endgame coverage. There's no way you could, you're getting through this in eight episodes. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> One thing I wanted to mention uh, that you touched on a little, but almost none of uh, the New York scenes were, are actually filmed in New York inter exterior shots. If I recall, according to the DVD commentary, the majority of those scenes, and for most of the film, they shot in either London or Luxembourg. Basically, unless you see an actual real New York landmark, it's probably filmed overseas. Right. Uh, which is so strange. Like, I think on the commentary, they mentioned that, like, they film, uh, like, the cab scene, like, in New York. And I was like, that's such a stock footage of someone driving? I don't know. Really strange to me that they spent time and money to film just driving scenes, uh, if that's yeah. true. Anyway. Sometimes they're even filmed at different angles on the same scenes in both locations, like Duncan uh, and Jin Kay and later Duncan Connor fight scenes. They jump back and forth uh, from both locations, which probably explains the mismatching lighting color. Uh, it does in a way, but like Highlander 1 is filmed the same way. Uh, there's so many shots that are from either London or New York in like the same in similar fight scenes. Like they'll just cut back and forth and you can't tell the difference. Uh, and in most movies, they do that. They might film some close-ups, uh, you know, on a close set and wide shots, uh, you know, on location or whatever. And you can't tell the difference uh, in a good movie. Uh, the other thing that's right. always bugged me is when Duncan is in the cab to Connor's loft, the cab is one, driving over the Brooklyn Bridge, which is not how you get from JFK or Newark airports to Manhattan. And two, driving <laughs> driving away from Manhattan into Brooklyn. Uh, you quickly see lower Manhattan in the background. So not towards Connor's at all. Uh, I get the need to show landmarks in the film to identify locations, but as a li lifetime New Yorker, this drive me drives me nuts. I'm surprised uh, you did not call this out, Keith. You're Mr. New York geography in most of these. Well, you know, I had some notes at the end of my fight. Like I was looking at like, I was like, where does the final fight take place? Because like, you can see like the twin towers in the background. And like, I was like, where are they? Like, I wanted to make sure they didn't flip the, because there was a chance I was like, they didn't accidentally set this fight in New Jersey because they flipped the, the, the image or something. They didn't. It does seem to be in New York, the Skyline with, or in, in Brooklyn. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no we did not talk about the uh the bridge man that's it's just so strange like that's come on funny. all right we are getting uh a, a message from a listener we haven't heard from in a little bit mark n who used to send us three things about everything so here's Ooh. his three things about highlander endgame the first the gang missed that efron mcash was in the 1712 flashback he actually looked really happy to interact with Adrian in his brief appearance, which I think we've determined that that is the edge sequence. Yes. Yeah, so I think this is Efron here. It's very hard to see him in the background. That's him, I think, getting punched. Yeah, there oh, he is. Yeah, look at that. All that's right. definitely his mug getting decked. Boom. Boom, baby. Yeah, that's great. Excellent. Wah. Good pull. Um, All right, anyway, anyway. anyway. Starting... Duncan's curse. I have two outs. For one thing, the gypsy scene happens in 1848, and no dialogue from Carmen spells out that it means Duncan would never ever marry or would never marry from that point forward. Also, Duncan and Kate were officially married less than a day when he, spoiler, I'm not sure how it would really count as a marriage. Also, regards Carlos, I told you I was going to cut you, Gaff, in the, D in the DVD work print. They did bother to add him saying off camera, extra dialogue of him saying, come on, let me cut him. <laughs> or words to that effect. Wow. And like all the other dialogue added to the work print, it does not sound like him. There's just so, so much to nitpick about this movie. <laughs> yes, there are. It's true, Mark. Thank you. Yeah. For your three things. Love it. All three of those things were worth knowing. They were. And they were three things. There, I counted them. There were three. Uh -huh. Good job. E-money. 
another email from our friend Jim S. He has a few notes. Uh, why can't I identify Connor's head? I always thought it was because everyone in the sanctuary had very long hair, be- hair and beards and long fingernails. Were the watchers going to shave the heads to get positive ID? Yes. And they know who was there. <laughs> At least they're supposed to. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. And why the body miscount? Again, I always thought Kel killed all the watchers who knew how many bodies were there. My guess is that it was a secret operation and all the paperwork was kept on site for security reasons. In the deleted scene, we still see Kel kill the gatekeeper, who is that weird like guy with a sandwich, I guess. <laughs> It's the sandwich man. Mm-hmm. The sandwich man. The sandwich man. Okay. For the ear and eye covers, it was to reduce the amount of stimulation hitting the immortal senses. Even with the magic blue juice, they are still immortals. Their very bodies are designed to recover from injuries and damage. Even mortals can be jolted awake by a loud noise or kept awake by bright lights, even if their eyes are closed. Imagine what it's like for an immortal. You guys are right about the geography. Maybe the sanctuary was built 400 years ago in the wilds of Connecticut, or almost uh, one of the most unknown regions of the world, but still (laughs) accessible by ship. And no, they didn't need to build toilets in the rear of the stands that held the immortals. They weren't feeding the immortals food, so no defecation is being done. Okay, good. I'm glad somebody emailed us about this. Yeah, about my... uh, (laughs) That's a good point, though. They don't have to eat. Sure. But, you know, immortal doo-doo. Thank you, do you think? Do you think the New York Times missed that uh, in their review of this film? They did. I think yeah. they did. Okay. They overlooked it. This is uh, uh, <laughs> reminiscent of Immanuel Kant. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Thank you, Jim, for correcting me on my doo-doo. Mm. Okay. He- Next up, all right. Uh, this is a little bit of a lengthy email from Dan A. So I'm just going to pull out a couple questions. Cut it uh, down, baby. That's right. Okay, starting the timer. Boom. Here we go. Uh, was the purpose of Faith calling Duncan just to get him to start searching for Connor so that they would reconnect before Kel killed Duncan to continue what? the uh, the torture of Connor since he was the last person that Connor cared about? What? Is that yeah? Is that why Kel finally revealed he was the puppet master of Connor's suffering because Connor was out of connections in the world? Interesting. It was such a convoluted Rube Girl Goldberg way of explaining things. Uh, and then a bit later, let's see here. Um, it's definitely that. Yeah, I guess so. Is that what you think? Like, there's just or no. Like one- it's definitely complicated Rube Goldbergy. I don't know <laughs> if it's. I'm not saying it's correct. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do we think about that? Is that that the reason? I guess we kind of posited something like that. It really doesn't make a lot of sense, though. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that it's when Kate connect connects with Duncan, it's she's doing it on behalf of Kel, not like that. Kate was like, I want to see if I can reconnect with Duncan for like personal reasons, right? Yeah, I think she's like, she's, gone rogue. she's part of the scheme. Did you say she's yeah. gone rogue? Or no, she is not gone rogue. <laughs> oh, okay. So many people go rogue in this movie, guys. Constant. Awesome. It's like Const- James Bond. That's right. What's that? Oh, so prompting you forward before your timer runs out. Oh no, that's it. That's it. Although I can read it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 
Oh, I can he read a quick. I can read a quick message from uh, Patreon from James R. Yeah, uh, he it. says I've got a question for you about Kell's victims in the rough cut of the film. Do you think the French Duchess he killed is supposed to be a reference to Sarah Barrington in Highlander Three? If that's the case, it makes you wonder what happened happened to Alex Johnson and Max's own adopted son John. I like to imagine Kell completely ignored John. We all know Connor sure did. <laughs> Keep up the great work. Uh, that's great. Fuck I think you, it's John. I, I don't think it can be a reference to anything because as soon as these movies refer to anything, it introduces 100% of the continuity problems that we've been talking about. Right. It is just kind of weird that John is completely left out of this movie. Sure. It was, it was a weird choice to create John and yeah. a weird choice then to unmake him. <laughs> yeah. Like, cool. I don't have I don't have a son anymore. <laughs> right. I mean, certainly he it's possible for him to fit into to this story. Like, I don't know where my dad is, right? Like we can see yeah. a grown-up uh John. Perhaps also John does John know about the immortal game or anything? Good question. Well, he does oh. after being kidnapped by fucking uh Oh, I guess so. Yeah. Right. But like, I mean, hell, don't we aren't don't we want an audience surrogate in any of these movies? In most movies, you want some like anything that has like games and a plan and like just new rules. Like John might be that character. Uh because the watchers certainly aren't that, like they usually are in this movie. Uh right. Yeah, but yeah, John can investigate, he could become a watcher, he can find out what the sanctuary is, blah 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 blah. Man, Tina, you're killing me with cuteness. That's good. Tina is so cute. And she's also falling asleep. Yep. Very good. All right, Kyle. All right. This is another one from Jim S. He calls out a couple of points, some of which are interesting, some of which are shrug. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. They are all interesting, but they are all things that we have talked about. Uh, one question, he to, in an attempt to answer our question of why on earth is faith with Kel, he comes up with a, a reasonable answer to that, which is simple. Misery loves company. With Kel, no one is trying to talk her out of hate. Kel encourages it. To, st to quote Stanley Tucci from an episode of Wise Guy, a show that featured the great Jim Burns, hate Ooh. is a very nutritious emotion. People can live off it for years. That's a good line. Yeah, that I think that's line. interesting. Um, and she is a, a, a miserable little lady that we used to be. And uh, also we had had that question of the take care of what's important um, line that Duncan drops on Kate. Jim posits that perhaps that line was in reference to like her grudge. Like if your grudge is what's important, go back oh, okay. to Kel. He also notes that like churches being built on sewers are probably a more recent thing, but shrug. Uh, sure. And then, you know, posits, I'm not sure I agree with this, but posits that perhaps, you know, if we're supposed to read Kel as like a cult leader, maybe Jin K is there just as like a victim of the cult, like thinking that like in a moment of weakness, he gets sucked into this thing. That, uh, that would be interesting if there was cult thinking that happened. Like we don't, we're not, yeah. nothing, none of that's demonstrated to us that like, oh, these people all like are convinced of something. You know, I mean, like, hell, like, looking back to the series, we had, uh, what's his name? Uh, yeah, uh, I almost called him Gorlock. That's not his name. <laughs> Gorlock. <laughs> what? Uh, Gork Gorka? Gorka? Gorka. Matt, Gorka? Sebastian Gorka? So, Gabriel yeah, Lorca. <laughs> Lorca? Gorka? Yeah. Gorlock. Gorlock. <laughs> yeah. Aren't those the uh, people who live in the sewers and the X-Men? 
Yeah, the Gorlocks. The Gorlocks, right. Callisto and the Gorlocks. Okay. Uh, no, but my point is, it's like you see him like deploy a device to convince young immortals, like, hey, I brought you back from the dead. Like, we actually get to see people get twisted. We don't get to see Jin K get twisted. We don't get to see Kate twisted. Like, if he is some sort of like cult or religious leader, I want to know his like ethos and like, what is he doing and how does he get people to join him? It's we not that hard. It's like yeah. a few lines, but like. We don't get it twisted in this movie. No, nope. not like tea, the T, twisted, never mind, sorry. Yeah, that, I've seen a mortal fight with a twisted T. Right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Jim S., for your points. Keep them coming, we love it. As always. That's right. All right, I'll read this next email from King C. This is a, a big boy. You might need to cut this one down a little. All right, Keith, yep. start the clock. All right, it is going. I'll give you a one-minute warning after you get one Hello. minute. So it's from Scott, who's a longtime listener who's been catching up. So thank you, sir. Uh, this is still better than Highlander 2, 3, and The Source. Interesting. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that, but to each their own. Uh, I was listening to part seven, and it became clear Youthy didn't get the symbolism of both the in-film scene and the deleted scene between Jacob and Faith. Jacob in this film was supposed to be a stand-in for the Antichrist. That is why he and Faith in their action is so vile. While he came to have found her as a whore, Faith is a stand-in for the most common portrayal of Mary Magdalene, a prostitute who follows Christ till the end for his capacity to love and accept. Faith huh. is right. Interesting. interested in and follows Jacob for his capacity to hate and destroy. Even Jacob Kell's acronym is similar enough to the title of Jesus Christ, but isn't. Uh, it's oh, right. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I didn't think about that. JK yeah. instead of JC. Oh, that's, he's JC, baby. That's great. Yeah. I love it's it. All right. Uh, you got one minute. version of the title. Got it. The deleted scene further confirmed this as he is very clearly developing a temple, not a church or a chapel, a temple, which means it is uh, not of a God he would be praying to beforehand. Mm. What? I okay. don't know. <laughs> oh, I get it. Like meaning he's not building like a new Methodist church or something? Like this is new. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Okay. The whole evil live and live devil thing furthers it along. Interesting. Yeah, I, I that's like those are some interesting parallels that we did not talk about there that are pretty interesting. Yeah, let, let's let's yeah. talk about it. We're we're about out of time uh for this email anyway. So yeah, let's let's dig into this Mary Magdalene thing. I've got some thoughts on it because I think we did at some point, this email might've come before our episodes addressing all of that stuff. Who knows? But uh, mm -hmm. I do think that seems appropriate. I guess Mary Magdalene, right? Like that she's a yeah. whore and this and that, but like, is Kate a whore? Like, I don't. He I, says she is, but we never see that. So yeah. Like she's a yeah. fashion. She seems to be a very popular fashion designer. She like, I don't know. I, I feel like, yeah, it's only just mentioned that you're supposed to be this way. And like, they don't do any of the work to, I don't know, flesh it out or something like, I don't know. Well, the thing, about, the thing about this is like, I, I like this idea and I, I think I agree with the points he's making, but it seems like the filmmakers decided to throw this idea out and not right. develop it. Definitely. Yes, that's you, very true. They're like, mm, no, we're good. Cause like we're, we're diving into it and we're like, you know, getting all into everything, but like really you can't bring up a deleted scene. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's not in the movie. So like, yeah. I mean, he can, because that's the point of this podcast, but it's like, they threw that out. So like right. the average viewer 
isn't going to pick up on all this stuff. So it's just sure, kind of yeah. sad that it is. It's simply uh, it's got down. that ring of head cannon to use a term yeah. that came up earlier. Yeah, yeah. but that's a good just, point. I like it would add a lot of uh, emotional weight to all this too. Like if there was a scene where, like for instance, like after Kate is murdered or whatever, and she like flees, like I would like to see Kel find her and like. Yeah. You know, like, again, we can see that switch in her thinking. Like, she's been with him. Maybe she's been with him for hundreds of years, like, on some weird, I don't know, hate quest or whatever. We don't see any of it, so. Yeah, yeah. And if these people are supposed to be, like, disciples, too, once again, I don't see what they're doing as any sort of, like, discipleship for Cal. All right. Love it. All right. Kill me. I'm up next. All right. This is called Bless You Guys. (laughs) Um let me start the old bless, timer. Bless Boom. this child. That's right. Bless this child. Watching your coverage of Highlander Endgame has been really entertaining. When this movie came out, I was about uh, to turn 21. So for my 21st birthday, me and my best friend, who was also a Highlander fan, went to watch this movie. Oh, boy. Ooh. We were stunned and numb when it was over. When did the amount of heads being taken become a thing? It was <laughs> uh, the series that had Duncan uh, shitting his pants over fighting Grayson, who was 1,200 years old based on his age and pr- uh, prowess, not the amount of heads taken. Why was Mythos even there? And how did Joe not look about uh this crazy bunch of watchers that were actively interfering in the game um we took it for what it was and found reasons to enjoy it uh enjoy this film even though it was a dumpster fire of a movie um i did not come to enjoy this film until my son began to watch it uh and actively not only quote it uh but he is the only 13 year old i know who can do the sword choreography wow interesting Uh, uh, he's cool. really good at it, but I unfortunately had the dad duty of letting him watch the source. Uh, when a 13-year-old says, Dad, what is this crap? You kind of embrace Endgame and his shortcomings. Um, there we go. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty fun. Uh, you know, I think that there... I, I always am heartwarmed to hear any kind of multi-generational Highlander story. Sure. Like, that's just great. And the, the, <laughs> That's just the, great. The Grayson, it's just great. It's just great. The Grayson point's a good point, and I actually thought of that with the Kel thing. It's like none of this Dragon Ball Z like power level stuff came up nope. in that episode. It was just kind of like Kel's just really powerful and old, and it wasn't yeah. like he has this many heads and I have this many heads, so I have to do math and like blah 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 blah. Right. It just kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah, the age thing is a great way to just hang on. Like, I mean, you would assume Mythos is more powerful than Duncan, perhaps wrongly, I suppose, uh, when they get into some of the characters. But like, that's a quick way to just like, an ancient immortal is here. And it's like, oh, that seems scary, right? All right. Yeah, but they made the decision to make Kel effectively younger than Connor. Right. At least in the immortal sense. So they can't really do that. Right. Uh, in terms of age, but they could just do it in terms of like he's a fighting badass, like that sure. would work. Anyway, <laughs> uh, all right, this is from George T. Have we ever had a message from George before? No, I, I've been loving. There's a lot of new people that wrote us in, uh, so thanks everybody for taking the time. Uh, it's obviously great that we, you know, we've got regulars that write us and have been writing us for years, which is incredible. But it's always nice to see new people joining the fold. So we hope you continue to write. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and actually, he notes that he had actually was one of the people who sent us some email scans of the original Highlander catalog. So I was wrong. George T., you are actually an old friend. Oh, great. Awesome. Uh, 
I finally caught up and listened to your wrap up podcast of the series yesterday. Hearing your uh, your voices from the other fans was amazing. I just want to thank you for all the hard work you've put in over the years, bringing the show back to life, and looking forward to watching the Raven coverage. Ooh, uh, thank you. From from reading the rest of this, this is actually mostly a series related email. Um, so I don't know if we want to get into the rest of it here. No, that's but. okay. But we appreciate the uh, the well wishes and we're glad, you know, you've enjoyed the show and it's brought you back to Highlander and stuff. That's cool. Yeah, we love to hear from you. Thank you so much. I hope our Endgame coverage didn't uh, ruin it for you. <laughs> right. All right. All right, Eamon, you got a book to read. This is the longest email I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, baby. So this is from... Our friend Jim S. All right, timer starts now, buddy. Bloop. But he has some compliments. Great podcast. A couple of observations. Uh, so this is about the food. We complained <laughs> about the good, food good, in good, the Last good. Supper. Uh, not to forget the practical aspects of why a seam is filmed the way it is. Bread doesn't start smelling under the hot lights the way meat or sauce-heavy foods might. Sure. While the scene only lasts a couple of minutes, they might have spent a couple of days filming it. If you've ever had to have a scene with food filmed, you would understand why you don't bother with other foods. Interesting. Uh, I suppose. <laughs> sure. I don't like it. I mean, also, yeah. the la the Last Supper thing obviously makes sense. Bread and wine. But they've also thrown in this, like, Olive Garden element where there's, like, side salads. And I'm like, right. huh? Like, what is, what is, the iceberg represents my, <laughs> like, I don't know. This is These are I, my cheesy breadsticks broken for you. Right. Yeah. Also, I will, to interrupt this email, uh, I will say that the Last Supper, aside from being just visually iconic of being a Last Supper, doesn't have any real significance in the film. Like, there's no, like, I don't know, in the Bible, right? There's like, take my body, is this? Like, there's there's a, a ritual that goes with that. Like, it's a, it's symbolic of something. I'm not sure what this Last Supper is symbolic of. Other this than bread being, is your body that I will now eat? Yeah, I don't know. Because <laughs> also, like, hell's not a sacrificial character. So, like, the these these things don't really make sense to me. Is it uh, supposed to? Is it supposed to be a whole inverse thing? Like they are sacrificial characters for him. Oh, I love it! Now I'm on board. It's the best yeah. movie ever. Five stars, ten stars. IMDb, ten baby. Stars. Ooh. IMDb review. Sorry. Anyway, All right, Eamon, keep it rolling. All right, you oh, got a minute, Eamon. Okay. Go. Oh, one minute. Uh, then he mentions he spoke to David Abramowitz at the Highlander Leeds Armory Con in 2006. He had a film crew with him, and they were asking uh, con goers about uh their favorite episodes and he mentioned under color of authority so i think that's kind of cool mm -hmm. yeah to meet mr abramowitz yeah uh he also agrees with our point that connor was suicidal he just spent a decade under sedation i imagine that muscle atrophy is a thing even for immortals and connor did not want his last best friend to die because of him his suicide by katana killed two birds with one stone and put an end to connor's suffering and gave duncan a fighting chance that's an interesting point. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Love to hear it. Once again, that suicide comment, though, I mean, we, we, we were talking about that. Like, this movie is bleak, very yeah. bleak. At the end of it, Rachel is blown up. Connor's mother's dead. Uh, Kate in the theatrical cut is murdered. Like, it, it's Connor's murdered, slash commits suicide. Like, this is horrible. Like, yeah, what, what a note. Dead. Like, that's how you leave the theater. Like, uh, I don't know. It's very strange. Uh, part of me almost wishes, in retrospect, like there's no moment at the end of this movie that's like, 
what adventures will we get up to next? Other than like this mm -hmm. love scene, but it doesn't feel like hopeful at the end, the way like nope. Highlander one does. I don't know. Yeah. Suicide by Kel. Yeah, like there's no setup for a sequel in this movie, which no. is a bit strange, I guess. I mean, why not, right? Yeah. Like the adventure continues. We're more Duncan. Yeah. yeah. All right, sorry. Weird. Yep. Great, Jim. Sweet. All right, I'm up next. Reset the old timer here. Uh, this is a question about power levels from Anthony E. Anthony. Anthony. Um, so there we go. Uh, he says, they hang such a lantern on the kill numbers being something that matters, but doesn't that mean that your power could grow exponentially when you take someone's head? If you've killed uh, 300 brand new immortals who have never taken a head, then you, uh, what? And then you take an immortal who's killed 300 immortals who have never taken a head, then doesn't that just mean you have a power the power of 600 immortals and not 301. Duncan is uh, taking down two of the oldest immortals in the world, Silas and Kronos. Um, he also took the dark quickening from Coltec, uh, who had been collecting powerful evil immortals for centuries. Objectively, Duncan probably uh, has thousands of immortal heads if you add up all the head counts. That's right. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. Let's see if there's anything else I want to just drop in here. Um, let's see. Yeah, it's just about this head count thing being like, it's just arbitrary. It's, yeah, it's it's all very arbitrary. Uh, so I I think that the way that it works in this movie, it's almost inconsistent, right? Because it clearly is counting the heads on like a head by head basis. Because as right. he notes, there's no way that Connor right. or Duncan's numbers would be so low if that's the way it worked. But then it posits that by taking Connor's head, he has a fighting chance, which seems to reverse the logic and say that you could add the numbers together. Right. Uh, doesn't matter. There we it go. It's it broken. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's a really good point. Because wouldn't wouldn't it dead to just be Duncan has one head? Yep. Yeah, so the, the movie's like one internal logic contradicts itself. Yeah. yeah. Remarkable. Un <laughs> unbelievable 10 stars 100 stars what if instead duncan and connor went on a head getting quest and like they had to like kill <laughs> 600 immortals each to like beat up? Kel. oh yeah. boy that's the movie i want to see we all do all right this next one's from friend of the show david g he says rewatchers this was the peak of the movie, the death of Connor. I teared up watching my Highlander die at the hand of his best friend slash Klansman. To me, this marked the end of an era. You have to remember that at the time, actors were relegated to film or TV and rarely crossed over. Rarer still was a character from TV making its way into the film played by the same actor. You had the cast of Star Trek, the OG series, and X-Files, but now Duncan was poised for cinematic glory. I mean, it didn't work out, spoiler alert, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> uh, he then goes on to note uh, how kind of wonky the, the sword move was uh, and notes, it reads better to me if Connor made it so that Duncan was forced to kill Connor out of self-defense. Maybe in the hundred of years since Connor showed Mac the move, Mac forgot how it was done. Who knows, Highlander? Who knows? Hmm. Um, 
Also, does anyone ever buy that Connor is the superior swordsman to Duncan? Duncan's whole deal is martial arts. Connor's the scamp who got who gets on by charm and skill, but he's not devoted to it like Duncan. Could you mm. see Connor opening up a do- JoJo? He's a schlub. He's like Bugs Bunny to Duncan's <laughs> Batmac. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Um, as the Last Supper, as is the case with this movie, it's seeded with interesting moments and ideas that never quite hit or bear promised fruit. Donnie Yen killing himself was the smarter move. The other people just allowing Kel to kill them makes no damn sense. <laughs> nope. Uh, and Very like good. some of some of them look happy when he does it, which I know we touched on a little bit, but yeah, they're make like, sense. hey, well, see, yeah. that would make sense. Last Supper scene, like, where's yeah. the line of dialogue about that? Like I said, like, oh, you take of the bread to be like, you know, like there, there is something here, right? Like yes. you, you become like you, you ingest me, right? As Jesus, well, he does right? say you, you nourish my soul. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe it's like, it's like kind of there. It's like, it's, it's, it's more there than I thought it was, but it's still clunky. Amy, do you want to real quick read the next email? Because it follows right up with this special move comment that David made. Absolutely. This is a, a YouTube comment from Kevin A. K. F. Ron McGash once talked about the point uh was that it's a kill or be killed option in regards to the special move the defender guy with the sword behind his head has to take the headshot on release or the attacker will do so on the turn it's a bind that's not an unstoppable move then (laughs) obviously you will always take the option of kill the other person that's like definitionally what the deal is go on Connor forces the position and leaves Duncan with killing his mentor as the only route to survival. Lots of problems with this movie, but I thought that was one of the better setups. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Hard, hard disagree. Interesting. See, you know what? I actually, I don't mind the the sword thing as much as you do, Kyle. So tell like you, you just are like the the logic just makes no sense to you. And you're like, "Ah, I can't get behind it. The the logic straight up makes no sense. Cause again, (laughs) Uh, there's the inconsistency between whose head the thing is behind. And then again, if the if the core logic of the move is that it's a kill or be killed move, it's not unstoppable. It is imminently stoppable. That is not the definition of an unstoppable move. Uh, like, it's like, that's, isn't that true of every sword slash? It's like, oh, well, if you don't block it or kill me first, this, this sword attack will kill you. I, I yeah. don't know. Maybe I'm being reductive about it, but this does not read to me. <laughs> Very good. Okay, uh, what I'm going to do, I'm going to skip the next email, and I'm going to read these next two in a row because they're pretty quick. Uh, all right. Do it. do it. This one is uh, from Josh V uh, on Patreon Early Eps, uh, and he's wondering if uh, we could maybe post our YouTube episodes early. Uh, that might be possible. I'm not sure. Uh, it depends on sometimes our production schedule on these things uh is like down to the wire uh so it's not possible to release them a day early but if we can start doing that maybe we'll try uh but maybe by the time we get to the raven and we're you know recording more episodes in a row uh that might be possible so that'd be cool as a thing for the patreon members Um, and this is from brian's late night booty call and bread making is the name of it uh here we go i remember watching this particular scene at the theater when duncan asked faith slash kate why did she come there was a loud audible groaning and laughter from the audience (laughs) it seemed to me that there were odd sexual innuendos sprinkled throughout this travesty of a movie uh even at the last feast 
Kel sounds like he's getting off. I think at some point the writers just start throwing in lines uh, to pad out the film. It would have made more sense to have the posse fight each other uh, to prove to Kel who was worthy to join his justice crusade, only to have Kel take the victor's head as a reward, thus by uh, thus uh, by being betrayed thus betraying them like Judas, I guess. Oh, interesting. that's interesting. Um, just like Kel, this film doesn't care about the game, a good plot or writing until this franchise is born, reborn slash rebooted. That's very funny. <laughs> they get Breaking Bread Brian's. Good. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. Rick, Rick P. I'll read this by Rick P. This is on YouTube. This movie was a huge disservice to the series fan base. I remember walking into the theater beyond excited and walked out hugely disappointed. FYI, it was literally in the theaters for only two weeks where I lived. And my friend and I were literally the only ones in the theater when I saw it on a Saturday afternoon. Based on how this movie went, I'm predicting <laughs> the source is going to be like 20 episodes. <laughs> we'll try it to be. it in. I predict the source will actually be less because like... I think part of the problem with this movie is it has so many seeds of something real and mm. also it purports to be like a, a full movie in a way that <laughs> it I don't purports remember. to be a full movie <laughs> in the way yeah I, that 95 minute runtime yeah mm -hmm. I, I don't know that the source really and truly does right but we'll That's get true. to it we will wait we, we don't know how upset i'll be so yeah. i can i can stammer on uh very good um i'll read the next one Sure. Do it. All right. And then we'll go back around the horn. Uh, all right. Endgame super short length. And this is from Eric C. Um, I've been really enjoying your Endgame podcast. It's a really bad movie that I still somehow love and never thought I'd get to dis uh, hear discussed for 20 plus hours. <laughs> uh, one problem you've mentioned is the odd edit choices making the film too quick and short. I believe this is because at the time movies are still distributed uh, as physical reels of films films to be played in the theater. These prints were very expensive. Um, I had read it was 3 million and up for a wide release movie. Wow. Um, and I bet they had to stay under a certain runtime to control this cost. I think they made more cuts than they would have uh, liked to adjust for this uh, certain length of film. Um, wow. How about that? Yeah, that's an interesting extra explanation. I know we had talked about it in terms of runtime, in terms of how many times you play it. Play but it, but uh, yeah. Cost of producing the reels. That's pretty interesting. And now, of course, with digital movies, you know, like I guess theaters are just like emailed uh, a disc or emailed a disc. What am I talking emailed about? Emailed a disc. <laughs> emailed yeah, a file. A uh, hyper secure file that they send. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're emailed a disc. Emailed a disc. <laughs> <laughs> I am an idiot. All right. Very good. All right. Uh, this one is from Bram F. It's called Engame. Engame. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, Endgame was the first dvd i ever bought i wow. bought a dvd player just so i could watch this movie at home that's how important it was to me at the time in hindsight it's just such a colossal <laughs> opportunity woof i love highlander one and the series so much and i enjoyed adored the playful version of connor we got in the pilot there were these kernels of that playfulness in the flashbacks in Endgame, but it wasn't enough you guys did a masterful job over many, many hours of explaining why this movie is such a disappointment. Here's a very short list of elements of the film I cling to as justification uh, for its existence in the Highlander canon. Okay, okay. cool. Nice. One, B.D. Edney in this, is in this movie. Two, good. Duncan's leather trench coat looks very good. On point. Good. Three, I love you, Connor, still makes me tear up. Good. Nice. 
The soaring music that plays when Connor is beheaded is heartbreakingly beautiful. Don't remember that, but I, uh, I believe you. I don't think it's yeah. okay. <laughs> it's like MIDI music, so no thanks. Yeah. Five, this movie looks like an Oscar <laughs> contender compared to the source. <laughs> Speaking of the source, I can't wait for your coverage of that trash, but I dread forcing myself to watch it again. Oof. You guys remain immensely enjoyable. Thanks for all the fun, Bram. No, oh, that's very nice, Bram. Thank you. Yeah, love it. And I like Bram. your list. I, I would agree with most things on that list. And I love your book, Dracula. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's love right. Love it. Love Dracula. You don't need a lot of Brams. No. no. Raisin Bram? Every morning. Yeah, yeah. every yeah. morning. Anyway. Raisin Bram. All right, Eamon, you're up next with email right. number 33. This email Robert. is about five pages long, so Eamon, you got your work cut out for you on this one. We're not okay. giving you more time. I will, That's I will, right, here we go. I will do my best. From I'm going to tell you every time you hit 30 seconds. All right. All right. The subject is great. Six editors, eight producers. <laughs> I loved hearing your thoughts on Highlander Endgame. This movie is absolute dog shit. This movie had six editors and none of them caught the end fight looping back on itself. No, I think they caught it. And they, they, that's intentional. They, they, yeah. they edited it on purpose. They, they made it that way on purpose. Catch up. Bold there, Duncan. Uh, the home movies with Connor and Rachel wouldn't have audio. So this person is writing like notes as they're watching yeah. the movie. So they're yeah, like little bullet points. Consciousness. Right. The McLeod sword Connor uses is the one from the Highlander catalog. The actual sword is at the Mopop Museum here in Seattle. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, you can see Christopher Lambert's boxers when he gets knocked in his ass after falling to save his mother. <laughs> hey, Learn that from the quiz, baby. That's right. The, the quiz. quiz. The uh... All of the incidental characters are ADR'd. <laughs> uh, let's see here. I'm not sure Peter Wingfield's voice is used in the con conversation between him and a Adrian. <laughs> I think he does. Cracker Bob does have some dialogue. Oh, we know that. Uh, uh, I, not in every cut. That's true. That is not a, strictly speaking true. You can see Adrian's boxers at one point. That's interesting. Really? I didn't pick up on that. That yeah. seems like something I mean, who needs to see his boxers when you see like his entire his butt? <laughs> rear end. That's yeah. right. Those buns. Gotta get those buns. That's Duncan's right. kata in the dark warehouse is reminiscent of the practice scene between he and Duncan. I think we mentioned that, but that was cool. Six editors and they couldn't stop themselves from looping the end of the fight. We talked about that. Uh, yeah, so just some cool little observations. And he's looking forward to hearing us talk about the source oh and somehow kate's dead in the source <laughs> wait there's a there's a comment here where he says duncan says brother come on when running at kel is that real he does yell come on i did not hear the first word as brother neither did i let's check it because i i'm like fascinated by this now also why would an, an immortal need a tourniquet <laughs> a wait where's the tourniquet that's like when he's fighting Kel, uh, and he there's like a brief brief respite when the, he, he's gonna the watcher's like gonna snipe him. He's like Duncan's tying like a tourniquet around his leg. Right. I mean, it makes sense that he doesn't want to bleed out. But as we've mentioned, who knows what how people heal in this movie? It's things that a mm -hmm. movie should tell you. All right, let's see if he yells "brother, come on" or whatever he says. Watch your name. 
Are you gonna run? Oh boy. Are you, Are you gonna hide? Run. He says run. Wait, there it was. Hold on. I think he just says run. Come on. Oh, wait. What? He does. Yeah. I don't think I went back far enough. He just—it's oh. just a. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> All right. It says, "Come on, Bruh, come good. on, All get right. over here." Mortal Kombat in theaters. Pretty sure that's not in the original game, right? Get over here. Oh, I don't know. I Is think it? he says, "Come here." Come here. I don't think it's get over here. Interesting. Oh, right. When anyway. they change it, huh? How about that? But thank you, Bob, for your many observations and compliments. That's right. All right. I'm up next. This is a little long. Uh, let's see. This is from Chipum Endgame Chip Thoughts. Em. All right, I'm going to read quick. Hey, guys, as I mentioned in previous emails, I'm one of the few who actually enjoys Highlander Endgame. I think it's mainly a nostalgic liking uh, because this was the first Highlander movie I had seen. Cool. I agree with that. I feel you there. Uh, this is not to say that I'm ignorant on how bad this movie really is, uh, but for whatever reasons, I still like it. If you take any B-rated or worse movie and break it down like you guys do, they will never hold up. That's true, for sure. Uh, Very true. All right, and I have a couple thoughts uh, to go with your coverage of the movies. One, in-universe timeline canon. You uh, all discussed when this would have taken place in relation to the series, and the last time we saw Duncan uh, with Connor, the way I reconcile this in my head is... One, the first two movies are in the same timeline. Highlander 3 is standalone, uh, with Connor not having won the prize in 1985 with Kane and is still goon, still alive in the cave. Then there's Highlander the series, and then Endgame can't be part of any, uh, can't be part of the series because of several changes. Connor in the Gathering episodes less than 10 years before this, Duncan marrying Kate, and Duncan's first death slash meeting Connor for the first time. But you would have to know the series to fully appreciate and understand who Joe and Mythos are. So Kyle, this is blowing like a hole in your thing, which is like, this is a sequel to the show and they're pointing out like, it doesn't even work that way either. Interesting. Because of yikes. Uh, <laughs> huh. uh, and he says, yeah, lastly, there are several scenes you have all shown uh, in your podcast that I've never seen before. Like Kel and Faith looking out over the city, talking about uh, building his temple. Thank you for taking the time to play them. Uh, I watched this movie on Hulu right before your coverage started. And there's no hot dog scene in the beginning. Uh, after the Lambert's opening narration, it goes right to Rachel walking into the antique store. Uh, very good. Yeah, I think that that sounds like the theatrical version. Right. Oh, and then the last question in his postscript um, wonders, was there any intention of using Amanda instead of Kate? And did it just not work out? And we should have looked that up ahead of time. I don't know, right? Someone I, else write us in. Or Eamon, what do you got? I did read that uh, um, like they wanted this to be a Raven-like bridge, and then for some reason that didn't work. I don't know what the reasons are, but I think they did want to get Amanda in this, and it just didn't didn't interesting for some do you, do you know if at the time they were thinking that this would have been a duncan amanda movie or a connor Dun like now like three entire universes combining that's a good point i don't mm, know interesting but yeah i think they wanted to do that and couldn't for huh. reasons interesting huh fascinating reasons for, for ravens um for ravens that's right all right i think we've got what three more to go this is exciting we're Kyle, you're three, i can almost taste it <laughs> this is from good friend of the show vince s hope Vince's. you guys are doing well 
Vince's enjoying the Endgame rewatched. It's been years in the making. As for my take on the movie, I remember being excited to see this done and completed. I already knew from my early internet days that it was having some issues, <laughs> so I was kind of bracing for that, but still stoked to see an actual Highlander movie in the theater with Duncan and Connor McCloud. I got into Highlander from the TV series, but loved the first movie as well. Uh, after watching Endgame, we walked out of the movie and was like, that was decent. I mean, not Blade, but decent. What a pull. <laughs> what a pull. I Blade it was, is awesome. Yeah, I thought it was decent as well, but I thought it could have been so much more. More of a search for Connor movie with Kel as his thugs against Connor, Duncan, and Mythos in the grand finale. Something like that. Yeah, rock on. Uh, but still, having them both together at the theater was a big deal for me. Uh so while I do agree with most all your critiques of the film, I look at it with the broad spectrum of a niche fandom of a movie and TV show, getting to see it at the movie in a big screen kind of way, which makes me a fan of the film. When I saw in the theater, the ending with Duncan and Connor's grave and that terrible CV, C, CGI image, but when I watched it with the date a few years later on DVD and the ending was with Duncan and Kate still alive, I was like, what the f or WTF <laughs> like Dave was just looking at me incredulously and I had to explain to her why I was shocked she just laughed bold move Vince playing this movie on a date I, I'm, yeah I'm did, was this played the after story. Highlander 1 or was this just like the first hey, one let's watch Endgame <laughs> yeah, right? love it anyways I take my Highlander too seriously for some P.S. Wouldn't it have been better if after Duncan took Kel's head, he would have said Duende and clapped his hands three times? Duende. I think I would have liked that much more. Yes. We're almost there. Amen. Ooh, from Allison L. Endgame. Allison L. Allison L. My favorite soccer team. Did I absolutely think Endgame was the source until I sat down to watch it? Yep. <laughs> Imagine my confusion waiting for a lot more mythos than I was given. That's disappointing. With no memory of seeing Endgame originally, except for a lingering, disgruntled feeling over how Connor died, I dove in. The big issue, what a weak premise on which to lose Connor. No wonder I pushed it out of my memory. It should have been an emotion, emotional and tragic or heroic and grand, not math on a screen dictates a numeric possibility <laughs> of victory if one of them doesn't force eat the other. <laughs> Good point. Why yeah. not up the stakes if Kel is breaking the rules? Have the honor boys break them as well and let's experience the consequence of those actions. I do have a problem with Matt killing Kate without even floating the idea of an immortality past her. It does make him just another man taking what he wants while turning her into an object. Poor yep. optics. Agreed. Yep. I'm with yep. Kifo in his critique of the editing. I would have accepted the barest scrap of a scene connectivity to get us through. Insert David Burns once, upon, once in a lifetime because I was also <laughs> asking, how did I get here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm perplexed why most of it is shot like an episode of TV. Did budget play a part? I can't recall if you guys had a conclusion when it came up. In the plus category, the fight scenes were wicked, both between Connor and Duncan and Duncan and the bad guys. Donnie Yen is amazing. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, speaking Gaelic in the cemetery, give us a momentary glance into what the film could have been. Yeah, that and, is actually kind of a neat. We didn't really talk much about that. It's kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, Ooh. I do too. 
and I get a I get a, a shout out. I do have to thank him. <laughs> I totally stole his mispronunciation of Endgame in normal conversation and had everyone laughing. I promise I gave you credit. You don't have to give me credit. Just steal it. Whatever. <laughs> awesome work as always, guys. I can't wait till you dive into the next one. Allison all. Thank you, Allison. That's very nice. Allison all. And not just because I got a special shout out. Ooh. We all know that's the only reason, Eamon. That's, that's right. The only reason. And Agami. I was just looking, uh, Allison's comment about like, hey, this is shot like a TV show. Like mm-hmm. for the most part, uh, I'd say that's true sometimes. Like it's just like two shots, yeah. you know, it's like, it's not a lot of coverage on the scene. It's it's, it's a little boring. Uh, yeah. I was just like looking, Googling like a list of movies that like how much did cheap movies cost that are like mm-hmm. great. Like uh, Get Out by Jordan mm-hmm. Peele is $4.5 million. Wow. And that's in like 2018 money or whatever. And right. That's a great gets a great critically acclaimed audience acclaimed film. Right. And granted, well, and that has that has some special effects. Uh Moonlight, four million dollars. I'm just scrolling through on the internet here. Uh what else we got? Uh Saw, 1.2 million dollars. Wow. Yep. Jesus. Saw, that's like a huge franchise. Yeah. <laughs> that's fuck, yeah, fuck it's that franchise though. I don't like it. But what about the new chapter from the book of Saw, Kyle, starring Chris Rock? Oh boy, I Wait, really? I am not familiar with this. This yes, is Napoleon like... Dynamite. Only cost four hundred thousand dollars to make. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, very good. The final email. Oh, the final. The end. The end game. The end game of emails. All right. This is from David G. David Game. David End Game. David uh, End Game. <laughs> friends, you did it. Yeah, it's not very good. But as you all pointed out, it had the bones to be something. Failures on Duncan and Connor's part rooted the story in tragedy. And though it's uh, never quite successful in expressing it, the idea that Connor and Duncan are polarities of immortal polarities of immortality was a wonderful idea. Um, it is a movie that works better in the minds of the viewers, sadly. I'm slightly more favorable to it. In fact, it's tied with Heimleader 2, the original version, uh, for my favorite sequel. But yes, it's not that good. Agreed. AP gave it his all and then some. I wish it had translated to the natural evolution of the franchise. Instead, we got the source. Wondering if you have any thoughts on covering The Shadow or that one Mulcahy, uh, or that one movie Mulcahy and Lambert teamed up on. I think Mulcahy is the secret sauce for this whole enterprise. Thank you and looking forward to what comes next. Your pal, David G. The Shadow is a movie I really like and I would love to talk about it. I love that movie. It's fantastic. It looks yeah, great. It's fun. And Mulcahy does, like, he gets something about this that helps. Like, the way he shoots Highlander 2 is more compelling than anything in the way this film is shot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Highlander 2, you know, is horrible, but it has some interesting things happening in it. Sure. This does not really. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, do we have any other final thoughts? We've, we've gotten to the end of our email before we just wrap this all up. Thank well, you just, for sharing with us. Yeah, yeah. I can't That's, believe it's been this long. Uh, I'm sure there's been some lulls in this series, but it's all good. Kyle's yeah. like, yeah, there's been lulls. Lulls. I just want to thank everybody for listening. And you know, yeah. this was. I think this might have been our most divisive series, sure. um, but a lot of people liked it. And you know, even the people that didn't are very nice in their uh, criticisms or you know communications with us. So I just yeah. appreciate it. Nicer uh, than I've been. Yeah, I good mean. Enough. But, you know, thank you all for listening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. Pal. 
And I'm excited. We got new stuff on the horizon. Uh, so what's coming up next for the Highlander Rewatch podcast? Um, of course, we're going to be hopping into the Raven. Uh, so that'll be cool to get back into like, you know, uh, a TV series, you know, with episodic <laughs> yeah. TV stuff. Uh, but also, we're, we're probably going to take a little bit of a break. Uh, Endgame's been uh, a bear to get through, and we've done a lot of episodes. Uh, also, if you haven't heard our 35th anniversary show yet, that is going to be released. Uh, we kind of we didn't release it as part of our podcast feed. Uh, it was released on our Facebook feed, um, but just because we didn't want to interrupt our coverage of Endgame. Uh, but yeah. that'll that'll be coming out soon, uh, so you can check mm -hmm. that out. And we teamed up with the Blood of Kings podcast and Highlander Heart to do that, and uh, so that'll be fun. Uh, yeah. Anything else? No, that's the big hit. That's it. Very Isn't good. The best. Go back and listen to our Christopher Lambert interview. Um, yeah, that rules. <laughs> that. Totally. Yeah. Or check out our. I I haven't listened to our Highlander One podcast in a very long time. I'm curious uh, how that compares to this. Uh, and of course, well, I know we're all shorter. <laughs> it's much shorter. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. I don't know. Should we do a super? We've never done a supercut that might be like. I don't even know if my com computer can handle it. Right. <laughs> I don't know if SoundCloud can handle it. It's like here's like a 14 hour podcast. That would be interesting. Yeah, we get a, a call or something. We get kicked off a of SoundCloud. Can't mm -hmm. can't put these big files up there anyway email a, disc, email a disc to them i should email them a disc. <laughs> that would be the way to yeah. do it wow uh yeah thanks everybody for listening uh thanks for putting up with my nonsense and me probably being a little bit too hard on this movie uh i was still I like so. who was it that wrote us at the end that was like was it vince s that like i saw the soft spot for this movie or i saw this in the theater yeah. like i 100 percent agree with all those emails like this was the first like highlander movie that came out in my time right and like yeah. like i said i that person who said I bought a DVD player to like watch this movie, like that's very similar to the interaction I had where like, I like freaked out about the DVD player, like, and worked yeah. on it for an hour. Like this movie it, uh, does uh, hold an important place. Uh, I think in everybody's heart, that's a Highlander fan. And uh, as we learned from those numbers last week, you know, those fans are the ones that are keeping this going, right? Making that's those, making those $12 cool. million. Dollars, uh... That's right. Hell that's yeah. Right. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we've been your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. Bye. Bye. Bye.